0: Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanes Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I'm so, so surprised that we survived. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Happy Monday. It's Nwana's Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm only kidding. There was no near-death experiences this weekend, at least for me and my crew. I'm only joking, but we decided it was a great idea. I had a little reunion this weekend. It was centered upon a um, a funeral for one of our good pals who who passed away uh, after a long fight with ALS. Uh, But it was myself and and, uh, five or six of my best friends from college all got together. We were all in the same spot. We were trying to remember, but we determined first time in nine years. So after uh, the memorial service during the day on Saturday and a little wedding festivities on Saturday evening, we decided yesterday we were going to (laughs) play 36 holes of golf. Well, uh, pretty hot yesterday. It actually went well. We, I shouldn't say it actually did. It was, it was expectedly went well, great hanging out with everybody. And, uh, it was pretty hot though. It, it, it took some endurance, especially the first six or seven holes of the second 18. We teed off the second 18 at four 30 in the afternoon. Oh baby. Up there at the ranch club was uh, hundred degrees in the shade. And guess what? There's no shade there. <laughs> There's no trees, but we made it through. It was really, really, really fun. And, uh, I have not been able to get rehydrated yet uh, so far today, but it was certainly a, a great time this weekend. Hanging out with the boys, uh, catching up with everybody, and uh, seeing some, some old but true friends. Certainly uh, fulfilling to say the least, and uh, so I'm feeling good today here uh, on this Monday. Hopefully you had an outstanding weekend as well. If you want to listen to this show, you always can on the radio, the TV, or on the ESPN MT app. You can also always stream it at 1029ESPN.com. Just click on Listen Live. And uh, we always have Nuana's now available on the podcast a little bit after the show as well. We're going to get things kicked off with the Montana Football Hour. We're to the point of the calendar. It's July 10th. The uh, Big Sky Conference Conference, All-Conference preseason team nominees just hit the inbox over the weekend. And uh, the votes are due on Thursday. So that's going to sort of spur on and, and begin our coverage of Big Sky Conference football. It's our bread and butter around here at ESPN Radio as well as Skyline Sports. So we will certainly have uh, pretty much endless content for you when it comes to talking or uh, have you. We'll have podcasts, we'll have videos, we'll have uh, the written word, wh- whether it's features or analysis pieces. Go check out SkylineSportsMT.com right now. Our Big Sky Figures to Remember series—one I came up with during the pandemic—and we rolled them out semi-consistently then, because we had so much time to write. There was no other sports to be covered, really, so we were kind of having to come up with our own content. So we did about half a dozen of these, and uh, we then have done a few since then. And we 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 are always trying to add to the archive. But you can just click on the tag on on SkylineSportsMT.com of the Big Sky figures to remember. And you can see all the ones that we've done so far, but a a fun and interesting one today. The reason I like doing this is, one, I love history. I love the archiving of history. There's been so many great players in the Big Sky, very many of which are really well-remembered, certainly, and uh, are are certainly part of the history of the conference. So many of those that are well-remembered, though, are... um, From Montana and Montana State. That makes sense. Two biggest fan bases. We're here in Montana, so we're more aware of that as well. But sometimes there's just these outstanding and sort of unforgettable characters that maybe people don't quite remember or they need a little reminder. And if they do get a little reminder, they can just go tripping down memory lane. Pretty fun. Uh, This one today, I did not know about this young lady. I will say, as somebody that's covered the Big Sky Conference for 17 years and uh, has certainly made a career out of covering the Big Sky and certainly has made a career out of uh, being a a quote-unquote expert on the Big Sky Conference, I know next to nothing about the history of the Big Sky Conference in softball. I only really started paying attention to it when the University of Montana got a softball team. That was, I don't know, I think eight years ago, I think 2015 was their inaugural season. The Big Sky, though, several of uh, the—first of all, the Big Sky has had softball, I think, now for 10 or 11 years, and several Big Sky schools, of course, have been a part of that since the beginning, including Idaho State. They were the first powerhouse uh, in the league because they had had softball. Before the Big Sky had softball, they were in a completely different conference, but Andrew Andrew Houghton, uh, writer at Skyline Sports, as well as uh, our producer here at ESPN Radio, he— wrote about Vicky who who's a catcher there at Idaho State, widely regarded as the, the greatest power hitter in, in league history. So uh, this is a fun update, Andrew. Uh, we were doing a little maintenance on Skyline over the weekend, so I just got this one uploaded today, but you can check it out, SkylinesportsMT.com, or you can check it on our Twitter as well. Uh, but, but, Andrew, this was a fun one. I, I, I love these because they remind you of a lot of stuff maybe you didn't already know, but this was even better for me to read because I didn't know any of this. It was all new information to me, uh, so great job. And uh, that's sort of the point of this series.
1: Yeah, super cool one to write, and I love writing these because exactly like you said, it gives gives me and us a chance to think about why should we remember these people? Why That's maybe right. do we not remember these people uh, as front of mind as maybe we should? Sure. Uh, because somebody like Vicki Galasso is, um, I mean, if you look at the statistics and you look at the way that she was talked about in those first couple of years of Big Sky Conference softball, was, was is the best player the conference has ever seen. Not a lot of people know about her because it I mean she was here for the first three years of big Sky conference softball and then sort of faded off the the landscape as the rest of the story of softball in the conference has continued to be written. So that was uh, fun to go back and revisit hopefully the first in. Uh, a series of these that we'll have for you going up towards the Big Sky kickoff. Hoping to have one of these uh, a week or so. Uh, got a, another list of subjects coming up. so I,
0: I'm inspired. I will be adding to the, uh, the archives as well. We also got a bunch of podcast stuff coming up at Skyline Sports. We'll also play excerpts of some of those podcasts uh, here on ESPN Radio. So, It's that time of year. We're getting geared up. We're getting juiced up. Uh, So today we're going to talk some Big Sky Conference football for most of the Montana Football Hour and then uh, also talk some recruiting from the best of the best around the state of Montana when it comes to high school prospects. Who's going where? Who's likely to get college uh, opportunities? And uh, after seeing the Big Sky All-Conference ballots and the Big Sky uh, preseason All-League team nominees... What sort of other things are we churning about uh, in Big Sky Conference football? Hour number two, one of your favorites, returns. Marty Mornowegg, riding shotgun with us. Also, he's bringing his son, Bobby Cade. Sky Mornowegg's been on the show a couple times before with his old man, Sky, now the offensive coordinator out at Columbia, and uh, Marty's older son. Uh, His younger son, Bobby Cade, played at Carroll College uh, up until a couple years ago, then was an assistant there at Carroll College and now is a new opportunity at North Dakota State. Uh, the timing here is because Coach Marty's quarterback camp is coming up on Friday. The uh, Marty Mordenweg quarterback school uh, will take place down there at Missoula County Public Stadium all day on Friday. So we'll get a bunch of details on that. That's one of the first ways I got to know Coach Mordenweg when he was first uh, back in town. Um, when he was uh, sort of deciding if he was going to get back into the NFL full-time or not. Uh, for those that don't know, Marty Bordaway coached 26 seasons in the NFL, mostly as a quarterback's guru and an offensive coordinator. Uh, had stops in uh, Green Bay, San Francisco, Philadelphia for the longest stint, uh, as well as Baltimore, and then back to Philly, and coached coach some all-time great players, from Steve Young to Brett Favre to Jeff Garcia, Michael Vick. Uh, Lamar Jackson. You heard of any of these guys? So a great uh, font of knowledge whenever Coach Marty's in. He is our co-host for the Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty each Monday during football season. So that's very cool and very fun. Uh, and Bobby Cade, now coaching over there at North Dakota State. But these guys will both be helping out as will Sky. Sky doesn't get in until tomorrow, so sorry to leave you out, big guy. But uh, the other two coming in today. And uh, we'll talk all about the quarterbacks camp, but we'll also talk about uh, college football. Uh, Coach Marty was on the call for the, the Grizz games last year. So he had a, a season of college football to to sort of get back into the FCS and the Big Sky. Of course, of course Coach Marty was a great player here at the University of Montana, a, uh, all-Big Sky quarterback in the early 80s for the Grizzlies. So um, always fun to pick Marty's brain about that kind of stuff. And then obviously Bobby Cade being at North Dakota State, um, I don't expect him to share all the inner workings, but I think he certainly has... At least a broad understanding of of the uh, the tradition there and what makes NDSU tick, and uh, just interesting to have a guy with Montana ties that's now a part of that. So we will uh, we'll talk all about that. And of course, when we got the guy in the studio, we have got our go-to NFL analyst. Of course, we got to talk some NFL. So we'll talk uh, all things National Football League here um, in the second hour on Nuanas Now, also a full week this week here. Uh, on to on is now. So uh, no days off this week. Then uh, the following week, we will have a shortened week. So it's just kind of that time of year trying to get uh, all we can in uh, when it comes to, you know, doing things besides working. Before we we work pretty much everything well not pretty much we'll certainly work pretty much every day if not every day between about mid August and uh, the first of the year maybe even uh, the first week of January depending on how far uh, the Big Sky Conference's best go uh, in the FCS playoffs so uh, we'll keep you apprised of the schedule but a full week this week got a fun slate of guests coming up for you uh, Justin Angle will join us tomorrow uh, the business angle we're going to talk about. The New York Times acquisition of The Athletic. That's something. Uh, we'll also um, talk about San Diego State. Are they in or are they out? They wanted to be out. Now they want to be in. Now the Mountain West maybe doesn't want them to be in. It's all so confusing. We'll talk about that as well. And, uh, of course, we'll talk about the Live and PGA merger. Several common themes that have gained a bunch of legs or, I guess, kept on keeping on here Uh for, for months at a time now, and I always love Justin Engel, professor of business at the University of Montana, for giving his thoughts and analysis. You want to be a part of the show? You always can. 406-888-1029. You can call or text. The text is a really tricky way to do it, a really uh, nifty way to do it, I should say. 888 if you want to be a part of the show, and then uh, Andrew can just forward the texts right along to me. So uh, all guests, all show long, each and every day, join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. Let's dive into the Montana Sports Hour. Football heavy here uh, on this Monday. Montana Football Hour, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications has been serving Montana homes for more than six decades, providing communities with new and better ways to communicate in and connect to an ever-changing world. To learn more about how Blackfoot can provide the right service for your business, visit Go Blackfoot. Com. Best of the weekend. Uh, first of all, my 36-hole extravaganza was tremendous. Started out at Canyon River. Super, super fun. Uh, and then during the heat of the day, played out there on Mullen Road at the Ranch Club. And uh, always fun to to hit the links with the boys. Uh, also was intrigued, for sure, to watch Victor Wabinyama, his summer league debut. The basketball itself was horrible. Most of the guys in the game uh, are not going to be in the NBA. But getting your first look at the number one overall pick, and oh, by the way, the San Antonio Spurs were playing the Charlotte Hornets in that summer league debut, so we got to see Brandon Miller as well. Brandon Miller, the number two pick out of Alabama. Um, I mean, Webber Oyama, I will say he didn't play well in his NBA debut, yet watching him, you're like, oh, I get it. I get why everybody's all hyped up about this guy. I mean, he had a couple like, face-up Isolation drives with a crossover in them that you're like, well, wow, is that an Allen Iverson crossover? But then you put in perspective that this this man is seven foot five, so <laughs> just it, it 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 sort of defies what you're used to watching. It, it just it doesn't look correct. It's so weird, but it doesn't look bad. It looks great. So we'll see. We'll see what Victor Webb and Yama can become. Uh, Brandon Miller's got a long ways to go. You can see the talent there for sure. I think he's going to need a mentality adjustment, certainly, to um, so learn how to play. He's got to learn how to play defense without fouling. I mean, but this is harsh criticism. This guy's played two summer league games, and he's 19 years old. So uh, the upside certainly there, you can see it in both those guys. and It was fun watching Webb and Yama's summer league debut uh, late last week. One other best of the weekend before we get into some football talk. Several Montanans competed at the United States uh, outdoor Track and Field Championships. So this is not the NCAAs. This is this is for everybody, including professionals. And Duncan Hamilton made his pro debut. He just finished his Montana State career at the NCAA Outdoor Championships in Austin last month. He went pro last week, a Bowerman Track Club, one of the top track clubs in the country. And uh, then he competed in the uh, men's 3,000-meter steeplechase, which is his specialty. And he did that um, at the USA TF Outdoor Championships. Hamilton uh, did not have a good pro debut. I mean, he finished eighth. For most people, that would be adequate, but he was about eight seconds off uh, the 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 winner, and uh, he was about ten full seconds off the, the world championship qualifying time. So he certainly has some work to do. Uh, he, at one moment, he had the top time in the world, which is still the second fastest time run by an American this year. So Hamilton has it in him. The world club uh, world championship qualifying time is eight minutes, 15 seconds in the 3000 meter steeplechase. Hamilton's got, gone eight 16 and change. So he's been there, but he only got eighth in this race. That was after a fourth place finish last year in this exact same national championship event. Uh, but a couple other Montanans competing at the USA TF championships, Levi Taylor, who's from Laurel uh, of Montana state. And then Camilla Noe, who's from Bozeman. She's also uh, of Montana state as well. Um, Taylor uh, was toward the middle of the pack in the 3K steeple chase, and then Noe got 16th in the uh, the 3200. There, last best of the weekend, the Missoula Paddleheads. We got the Paddleheads on the radio every night this summer. Missoula, they won again last night against Ogden. Their pitching staff stuck out 17, and uh, the Paddleheads now moved to 30 and 12 so far this season. They are four games up on the Glacier Range Riders with just six games to play in the first half. So the Paddleheads closing in on it. Their magic number is dwindling. I would expect them to clinch uh, the championship sometime over this next six-game set and probably sooner rather than later. Uh, Maybe some analysis on what this all means when it comes to um, Pioneer League baseball. But if Missoula wins the, the first half, this will be their fifth straight Pioneer League pennant. So there's pennants given for each half each season since the Paddleheads changed to the Paddleheads, they've won every half that they've played in. First and second half champs two years in a row, and they're in the mix now. Or I guess, I guess, the leader in the clubhouse, should I say, to uh, win the first half again this year. They've done it in such dominating fashion. They had the best record in professional baseball last year, and now 30 and 12, they're on pace to surpass that. What does it all mean, though? I mean, it's obviously really, really impressive. They have really good players. What, what is the sort of uh, opinion about all of it, though, as this thing continues to to uh, play out? I mean, if the Pallets just win two-thirds of their games always, will people remain interested? I, I tend to think yes, just because, you know, for at least casual fans, they have a lot of things to draw you to the ballpark. Winning is always good. Offensive... Uh, Proliferation always really really good. High level, high powered offenses is always really good. A lot of home runs and runs scored and all that sort of stuff. High level talents always good. Uh, the great venue there, uh, oh, at Allegiance Field at Oregon Park, down right by the river in, in Missoula. I mean that that's a that's a huge boon too. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm think i not trying to say that there's anything that's the demise of the Paddleheads because they're winning. It's just really impressive they won at such a high level. And you wonder all the things that go into it and uh, if this is just the way it's going to be in this independent uh, version of the Pioneer League. Nuon is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Let's talk some Big Sky Conference football here on the Montana Football Hour. Montana Football Hour, presented by Blackfoot Communications. With their expanding high-capacity fiber network and innovative voice solutions, Blackfoot's customers have access to the latest technologies. To learn more about how Blackfoot can provide the right service for your business, visit goblackfoot.com. I I was just thinking of broad questions, Andrew, and this was just stemming from receiving the Big Sky Conference um, preseason all-conference teams uh, nominees, there's there's a lot of great players in the Big Sky returning, but I I think that there's a, a certain dynamic that's going on right now. We've talked about the extended eligibility of guys and all the scenarios that that's created. You have these unprecedented sixth and seventh year seniors, Last year, anybody that was a a senior last year that played as a freshman in the year that was so impacted by the pandemic, those players then got an unprecedented extra year. Usually, if you play as a true freshman and you play for all four years, like Darian White did at Montana State or Beyonce did at Idaho, then your time is done. Your college career is over. Period. Well, because those young ladies played through the pandemic-stricken year, as freshmen, they got a, a sort of complimentary fifth year. And so you saw Darian White transfer to Nebraska. You saw um, Beyonce B transfer to Washington State. Well, in football, you saw these, these classes of super seniors, and Montana State actually had two of these in a row. And, and the Grizz did too. They had, a, they had some guys that were uh, super veterans, like Marcus Wellnell was uh, from a year ago. Um, but you also saw these rosters where there were so many different freshmen freshmen and young players because there were so many different versions of freshmen, right? Anybody that was an incoming freshman during that 2020 fall, they got canceled. They basically got like a free redshirt year, right? There's also the, the kids that were redshirting that year, so they get like a free second redshirt year or something like that. So now, though, we're several years removed from that. Thank goodness. So we have these players that got basically two years worth of training as younger players that then now have multiple years of playing experience and a year or two or sometimes even three years of eligibility left as well. So th- that, that's what I was thinking, Andrew, when I was looking at this list, is there was a couple years there where the stars were so defined because you had all these super senior-type guys. But then you had a whole bunch of sort of unknowns. You didn't know who, like, the rising sophomores and juniors in the league were now. Now when you look at the whole league list, so many different familiar names because you have all these players that have now gotten multiple years of playing time under their belts – so I think that the league, I don't know if there's necessarily like a couple of those shooting star type talents like a Cooper Cup or a Taiwan Jones or, you know, whoever you might think of. Even a Dante Olsen, a Troy Anderson. But I do think that there actually has an opportunity to be a lot better depth in the league, a lot more experience within the league. I think you're seeing, especially at schools like Sacramento State, Montana's probably in this boat. Certainly Montana State's in this boat They went young on the offensive line, and now their offensive lines aren't young anymore. They have a bunch of veteran offensive lines. So I I do think that this year we're going to get to you know maybe who's going to be the stars in the league. But I I don't know if there is necessarily that star power, but I also think the league is a lot deeper than it has been, and that's, I think, just
1: so much of a product of the circumstance these last couple years. I think it's a product of the circumstance of just uh, us knowing about them, right? I'm not sure the level of talent is actually much deeper in the league this year than it was, you know, the last couple of years. But the last couple of years, you know, coming into the season, it was really, really difficult, I think, to fill out, like, a preseason ballot for all-conference, to write a preview around these teams. Because while you figure that there is going to be some talent on a lot of these teams, it was really hard knowing what the names were going to be. This year, I think that's a lot easier. I I just think the names are more well-known. And it's always going to be easier to
0: when you have reputable brand-name quarterbacks. There, a couple of years ago, every team in the league had a quarterback opening, basically, besides Sac State, but they were still going to play two guys at quarterback. There wasn't, like, that headliner guy. Well, now you have at least two, and some would argue as many as four, quarterbacks that could be true, like, nationally impactful-level players that have brand-name recognition. Of course, you have Tommy Mulat at Montana State. He's not the... He's not the phenom anymore. Now he, he is a proven commodity in the big sky that's going into his third year as a starter. He has sky-high expectations there at MSU. Javon McCoy, even higher expectations. He was the Jerry Rice Award winner as the top freshman in the United States in the FCS last year at the University of Idaho. Miles Hastings, though, was actually the first team all conference quarterback ahead of both those other two guys yesterday, or yes, uh, last year, excuse me. Tommy Milot was second team. Giovanni McCoy was third team. That was a little bit controversial. Hastings was really solid, but a lot of people thought McCoy throwing thirty plus touchdowns as a freshman should get him first team all league honors. Uh, and then you got uh, Date Sashira there at uh, or Sashira, excuse me, there at uh, Portland State. Uh, A guy who showed flashes last year, I don't know if he's necessarily uh, nationally known yet. Could be, though, but the other three certainly are.
1: Yeah, and that just does so much for the potential league, and and it's not even those guys. I mean, I think... You know Sean Chambers, another guy at Montana State who For definitely sure. has has recognition around the league. I mean, he was National Player of the Year last year. Or player National of Player of the Week last yeah. year
0: against UC. Da- after his performance against UC Davis, he landed on an All American team. He was not a consensus All American, but he was certainly on an All American team as an all purpose player. And uh, he was the newcomer of the year in the Big Sky. So he's certainly a reputable name as well.
1: Yeah, and then um, you know we'll see what Sam Vidlak turns into at Montana. I certainly think he's a guy who has the potential to be on that level as well. We'll see. Uh, Who the new guy at Sac State is, but I I think you got to count that guy as as potentially being a national name by the end of the season as well. And you got
0: to also, I mean, in terms of we're talking about this through a Big Sky Conference lens. The most well-known quarterback in the Big Sky Conference is a guy who has not taken a single snap in the Big Sky Conference. It's Sam Huard at Cal Poly. But in terms of what the national college football landscape, most national college football analysts, most now, uh, college football fans on the national level, have they know nothing about the Big Sky. But if you said, oh, remember the the five-star quarterback who was you know an Elite 11 guy and went to the University of Washington and then transferred to all places Cal Poly? People know who that is. It's certainly one of the bigger stories uh, in the Big Sky Conference this year. So uh, having some brand-name quarterbacks certainly, I think, helps uh, just the landscape of the league. More Big Sky Conference football talk. Montana Football Hour rolls on. We'll talk some recruiting. We'll keep on talking some all-conference stuff as well. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulty Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game, we can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit One, two, three. Is now on ESPN Radio. It's a trail track for sure. Uh, the trail has been playing several songs by the band 1975. Pretty cool. You know, that kind of like pop rock, indie pop rock, kind of. I mean, you heard them right there. But this is, the 1975 has gotten a little bit more famous lately because one of the band members is dating Taylor Swift. Quote, quote, unquote, dating, air quotes, heavy emph- emphasis. <laughs> Somehow a pop culture guy landed. I can't even remember who it was, but somebody that's uh, writing heavily about this new Taylor Swift tour. If, if you haven't been following this, Taylor Swift is, is undoubtedly one of the most prolific and popular artists of the modern generation, for sure. I, I don't like Taylor Swift. I it, It's just not for me. And that's all I'll say. It's, it's just not for me. But I totally understand the appeal, like why people think that she is so good. But now she has such a huge catalog and such a lo- so much longevity that this tour, like the first time around, All the teenage girls that were going to watch this, now all of them are in their mid-30s, and some of them have teenage girls themselves, so now you have this double whammy of of appeal. So this tour has been insane. I mean, these tickets are like $800 for the nosebleeds. And you're talking sold-out arenas all over the place. So this all comes down to then this pop culture guy jumped on the Bill Simmons podcast and he just talked for like 15 minutes about the phenomenon that is Taylor Swift. I won't try to regurgitate all the information. Uh, Again, as somebody that's by no means a Taylor Swift fan, I found it unbelievably captivating just the perspective that he was giving and just how famous and popular she is, but also why. But in there, there was a detail that she's dating this guy from the 1975 and all I could think of was this poor sap, this guy. Doesn't he know how this goes? Every time Taylor Swift has a boyfriend, then she doesn't have a boyfriend. Then she writes an entire album about breaking up with her boyfriend. And that's why she's been able to stay famous for so long. Hopefully this guy doesn't have uh, an album written all about him. Or maybe that's what the Swifties want. I don't know. We digress. Welcome back. Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Go check out the app. Uh, We're not on SWX uh, at the current moment. But Andrew's doing a great job with the app. Uh, You can download it on all of your various mobile devices. So if you're jonesing to see inside the studio, uh, do it that way. You can also always stream the show, 1029ESPN.com. And, uh, of course, you can listen on your radio dial, 102.9 ESPN, uh, all around western Montana. Montana Football Hour continues, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications has done such a tremendous job of helping connect rural communities across Montana. And across the West, they um, bring Internet and networking to to tiny little towns. And it's a a great service, certainly. If you want to find out how Blackfoot Communications can help you, visit goblackfoot.com. I want to do a little in-state recruiting update. There's several different talking points to get to here. We've had a a couple in-state recruits commit, uh... Two big-time guys are going out of state, and then two are coming to the Grizz. And uh, there's a whole bunch of other guys that are certainly going to get, if they haven't already, uh, recruited by at least Montana and Montana State and uh, maybe even get elevated opportunities after that. We talked a little bit about this last week, but I, I did a little bit more research on this. Quinn Clark from Bozeman Gallatin High School He's a senior to be there for the Raptors, was a first-team All-State selection as a wide receiver last year, caught 15 touchdowns during his junior year. He's 6'5", 195 pounds, so he's got a great frame. But then he went to a camp at Nebraska, and um, at this camp, well, first of all, after the camp, he got an offer and he committed to Nebraska. That in itself is cool, a little bit rare, Big Ten opportunities for Montana recruits. But, but Quinn Clark went and got himself one. It wasn't that perplexing. I mean, the kid's a three-sport athlete. He's a great basketball player. He is a uh, really good in track as well. Uh, he was a state contender in the high jump. And, uh, you know, 6'5", 195 gets you a lot of places. But it's still, you know, eye-opening when a kid gets an opportunity at uh, a Big Ten school. Going to the camp was the initial entry point. So the fact that he flashed at camp and then got an offer and then committed, okay, it made sense to me. But there's some more to it. At this camp, Quinn Clark ran 4.46 seconds in the 40. That's really going to turn some heads when you're 6'5". And that got him an in-person offer by Matt Rule. For those that haven't been following along, Nebraska's been trying to recapture its glory days for a really long time now. They brought back their golden boy, Scott Frost. And the parallel here is that I do think there's some, some similarities between Nebraska and Montana, the University of Montana. I think Nebraska's been in the the sort of the quest to find find its its way back to the ranks of the national elite for longer than the Grizz have, for sure. But you yeah, have proud fan bases that show up no matter what, you know, sell out crowds, great home field advantages, but also sort of a pension to live in the past sometimes. And at what point does the past glory not pay dividends anymore? There's been so many thoughts over the years especially since Dave Dickinson has become such an outstanding coach, winning multiple championships up in the Canadian Football League. There's always been this clamoring of, bring back Super Dave. Dave Dickinson should be the coach of the Grizz. Well, as somebody that knows Dave Dickinson a little bit, Dave Dickinson's been on this show uh I don't know a lot, I' mean several times, probably five or six times. I've also just gotten to know him through my work with the Montana Football Hall of Fame and, and just various other football circles. But I've talked to Dave about this before. Uh, he is perfectly satisfied living in Canada and coaching in the CFL. There's no doubt about that. He also knows though the pressure that comes with Montana at the University of Montana. All I'm getting at here is that Nebraska went down that road. They hired their Golden Boy. They hired their version of Dave It's Scott Frost guess what? It didn't work. Scott Frost got fired. It was, uh, I'm not going to say it was a disaster, but it was certainly not what it was supposed to be, and uh, now, they have a guy in Matt Rule, who failed pretty miserably in the National Football League, but had some pretty good success uh, right in the ship there at Baylor before he went to the Carolina Panthers. Now he's going to be... tasked with leading the Cornhuskers. That's a total aside. Matt Rule is the head coach of Nebraska. He watched Quinn Clark, (laughs) ran a 4-4-6 in the 40, and boom, he gets an in-person offer and Quinn Clark commits. Well, there's more to the story. Quinn Clark is the son of Ken Clark. I did not realize this. Ken Clark was a great running back at Nebraska, a great multi-purpose offensive weapon, rushed for more than 3,000 yards for the Huskers, and then he got drafted in 1991 by the Indianapolis Colts and played in the NFL for a while. So Quinn Clark is a legacy guy there at Nebraska. Kenny Clark, uh, his dad played there. And, uh, so there's another connection. Quinn Clark also, he went to a, a recruiting camp last spring and he had a standout day in seven on sevens. He got an interview by 24 seven sports. They asked him about how his recruiting was going and, and what his dream school was. He said, Nebraska. So that helped get him an invite to this camp where then he balled out and gets an offer. So it's just a cool story, the way that it's all working out for Quinn Clark. And, uh, he committed uh, to Nebraska, so we'll effort this young man. We'll get him on the show uh, sometime this summer before his senior year of high school football begins there at Bozeman Gallatin. But uh, that's the backstory. Uh, being a legacy kid at Nebraska, Quinn Clark told a reporter he wanted to go to Nebraska. Then he gets an invite, goes to the camp, he balls out, he gets an offer, and now he's going to the Huskers. So dreams do come true, and that's what sports are. That's what makes sports so fun one is now USPN Radio, uh, Montana Football Hour here on this Monday afternoon. The other big-time recruit right now in the state of Montana is Hayden Hanks. He is a 6'4, 275-pound offensive and defensive tackle uh, up in Thompson Falls. Uh, talking about position versatility, mostly because he was a two-way star on Thompson Falls' Class C eight-man state championship team when he was a sophomore. Then Thompson Falls moved back up to Class B last year, playing 11 man. So Aiden Hanks has played on the offensive line when there's only three people on the offensive line, and the offensive line when there's five people on the offensive line. You can say that uh, he, he knows he knows how to move around. He though is committed to Boise State. I don't know the backstory as to how this young man got recruited. You have to think that he he either has some sort of personal connection there. I, I highly doubt the Broncos are sending scouts to Thompson Falls, Montana. I am unsure if Hayden Hanks went to a camp at, at Boise State or not or what the connection is there. But it's still cool that a, a, a Class C kid, I guess Class B, Class C, depending on uh, how Thompson Falls gets classified, uh, is going to Boise State. So uh, Hayden Hanks had, got recruited by everybody in the state of Montana as well, but once he got that Boise State offer, he committed pretty darn quick. The other two top recruits in Montana right now that have made commitments, and we will get these guys on the show sometime this summer as well, are uh, a couple kids with ties to the University of Montana. Grady Walker, who started his career at Missoula Sentinel, then moved to Spokane for a little while, and then moved back and now is at Missoula Sentinel. Did I say that? Sorry, sorry. started his career at Loyola, then uh, went to uh, Spokane for a minute. Now he's back at Missoula Sentinel. Uh, He's the son of Travis Walker, who was a basketball coach there at Loyola and also the athletic director for a moment in time. Uh, Travis played for the Grizzlies back in the 1990s as a wide receiver. Uh, Grady Walker's mother also ran track for the Grizzlies. Grady Walker's mother's sister is also... uh, the sister, excuse me, is is married to Blaine McElmurray. So there's ties on both sides there, too. So uh, Grady Walker, the nephew of Blaine McElmurray, who's a Hall of Fame safety for the Grizzlies, and uh, the son of Travis Walker, who's uh, who was a receiver there for the Grizz and uh, previously worked at Loyola. So some ties there and uh, some ties for Cash Gokachia as well. Cash is the son of Sean Gokachia. Sean was a great player for the Grizzlies back in the mid-1990s, as was Mike Gokachia. Both of those guys come from Stevensville, and uh, they both played on Montana's uh, 1995 national championship team. So, um, Cash Gokachia from up at Kalispell Glacier, uh, he'll be a senior there. He's the other commit uh, to the University of Montana. Other guys that have already fielded offers from around the state, Henry Sellards of Kalispell Glacier. He's one of the best offensive line recruits in the state. He holds offers from both Montana and Montana State. Rocco Lencioni of Bozeman High School. Uh, He's a wide receiver who also has offers from the Cats and the Grizz. Hudson Wines of Bozeman has a a Grizz offer. And then Mason Deathman, a kid who's been a a great multi-sport athlete for several years there at Freud Medicine Lake. Uh, He goes 6'4", 195 pounds. He's a great basketball player, great track athlete as well. Uh, He's probably an athlete as a recruit as well. He's a quarterback and a safety um, in the eight-man level, but actually Freud, Freud Madison Lake might even be six-man. Regardless, uh, he's not playing 11-man football right now in, at the Class C ranks, but I think he's, he's a guy that could play a lot of positions uh, at the college level. Maybe we'll talk some more recruits, but uh, right now we'll take a break and we'll come back talk some more Big Sky conference football uh, spurred on by the all-conference ballots and uh, the preseason polls. That's next. Keep it right here. Now is now ESPN Radio. Point nine ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Familiar artist, but a new song. We used to play Three Nights by Dominic Fike on this show all the time. That's Dominic Fike right there, but uh, different track. feel a little funky here. Don't worry, Marty Bordelweg's coming in. We're getting down some George Jones and Dwight Yoakam in hour number two. So, uh, hi to summer, country music coming your way. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here uh, on this Monday. It's the Montana Football Hour here on Nuanas Now. Listening in on ESPN Radio. Maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television. We're back on the tube. And uh, you can always stream on the ESPN MT app or by visiting 1029ESPN.com. Andrew, I gave you one of my broad sort of thoughts uh, now that the uh, the Big Sky Conference preseason polls and uh, all conference teams are in the inbox. We'll submit these by Thursday. We'll talk about it here on the show sometime this week, probably Wednesday or Thursday uh, depending on when we get to it. But what I mean, I know this always just gets the wheels turning. So did you have any general thoughts, impressions looking through all this stuff?
1: My general first impression and it was uh, something that sort of tied into what we were talking about earlier. I'm just excited. I think for all the options for defensive player of the year, it feels a lot mm-hmm. different this year. That was the the sort of uh, the spot on the ballot that my eye turned to first. I think the last couple of years we've had a real kind of consensus candidate at the start of the season, whether that's sure. Troy Anderson or Patrick O'Connell. Uh, you know, a couple other guys, even going back to Trey Walker at Idaho. Some of those guys. This year, man, I think he can make arguments for, let me see, there are seven guys on the ballot here. Sure. I think he can make arguments for most of those guys, and I think he can probably make arguments for a couple of guys who aren't listed there as well.
0: The, uh, the nominees on the ballot this year, Alex Gubner of Montana, interior defensive lineman, Sebastian Valdez of Montana State. I think th- uh, both of those guys, I think, are the two best interior defensive linemen uh, in the conference. I think that both of them have real NFL um, aspirations I, I think sebastian valdez is the best nfl prospect in the big sky conference so i think alex gubner even though he might not have uh, the prototype length his explosiveness is unbelievable he's going to run a laugh out loud time on his pro day for how much he weighs he's going to come into his pro day way in 290 plus and he's gonna run a really good time i almost promise you the big man can move no doubt about it uh Aloy uh, Kuiti of Northern Arizona is also on the ballot, a defensive lineman. He's more of an edge guy. David Hoag, who was one of the best edge guys in the conference two years ago at Northern Colorado, he missed last season, uh, most of last season, with an injury, but he's back there at UNC. Armand Bailey, who's a linebacker at Sac State, he's back for, I believe, his sixth year. Uh, he's a very productive player. The other thing about Sac State, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how they have a, a pretty good tradition going, and I just mean a little, I shouldn't say tradition, they have a good trend going these last handfuls of years of guys that have been sort of key pieces, but not necessarily stars defensively, and then when they become seniors, rising up and becoming stars, and several of those guys have gotten drafted, I mean, George Obina was one of the best on the big sky for two years straight, great edge player there for Sac State, Uh Drawn Bland, was a guy who was a first-team All-League guy two years in a row and then grad-transferred to Fresno State and got drafted in the fourth round uh, of the NFL draft. And then Marte Mapu, people forget. He was the postseason B- Big Sky defensive MVP this last year. So if, if Armand Bailey can follow that trend, a guy that was good for a couple years but then gets his chance in the limelight, boom, and then explodes, uh, he, he could be an absolute uh, you know premier player in the Big Sky and maybe deserves to be uh, one of the key figures Uh, in this Big Sky Conference defensive MVP race. The other two candidates, Rex Connors of UC Davis, who seems like he's been there forever and still has two years of eligibility left. And then Winston Reed, a linebacker from Weber State, who a lot of people thought should have been the defensive MVP period last year uh, there for the Wildcats. So he'll be a veteran cog there in the middle of the Wildcat defense as well. But back to the Sac State point, I I think it's fascinating because we've been talking so much the last three years about Sac State's success stemming from... Troy Taylor and their offense, the two-quarterback system, you know the the mad scientist play calling that Troy Taylor has made such a habit of, and then great skill players too like Cameron Scadaboo and Pierre Williams. But Zach State's had some really good defensive players as well, and uh, if Armand Bailey can follow in the steps of several of the guys that came directly before him, Sac uh, State might have another guy that's uh, one of the top guys in the league.
1: Yeah, of course, the interesting part with that is that it's never really translated to having a good team defense, right? Last year, Marte Mapu, the best, uh, you know, the postseason defensive player of the year, really high draft pick, third round, I think, to the New England Patriots and a guy who's been turning heads in preseason camp for them. Man, they just couldn't get a stop with their season on the line, uh, and that's sort of been been the problem for Sac State. Even dating back to when they had some of those earlier guys. I mean, when George Obina was there, for sure, they they were okay on defense. They never were able to put it together. So, I mean, Armand Bailey certainly has the potential. To be one of those guys, to me the bigger question is, you know, can Andy Thompson now be in the head coach? Yeah. Can they build a, a coherent defense around him? And of course that would only help Armand Bailey's you know, postseason defensive player of the year candidacy. Because I think he is going to put up stats. For me the big sticking point with Marte Mapu last year was he's a great player. They weren't able to build a really good defense around him.
0: It's true, and we argued about this a lot. Actually, we were on the same page on this. We sort of argued against Marte Mapu getting defensive player of the year honors, only because I mean, the, you know, the guy's talent is apparent. He's a third-round draft pick by the New England Patriots, so um, he certainly is is a, an individually talented player. And he did a ton of stuff in that Sack State defense last year. We just argued against him being defensive MVP because, like Andrew said, they couldn't stop anybody. I mean. Their season ended because they gave up 63 points. It was the biggest sort of we told you so in terms of them being unable to to get stops where they needed to uh, in the biggest moments.
1: Yeah, they were what? They recovered two onside kicks in that game, went on that's to right. score, and still couldn't get a stop. Uh, yeah, but I think that, you know, I think that's a great group of guys we just read off the ballot. I think that, you know, Montana and Montana State both nominated great defensive linemen but I think that you could talk me into a Montana and a Montana State linebacker both being in this discussion. Sure. Uh, I think you could talk me into— I think it's
0: just hard It's hard for the preseason version of this because you don't know which one, right?
1: Whether it's going to be Janet Caro or Braxton Hill or somebody else in Montana, whether it's going to be like Nolan Askelson or Danny U at Montana State for sure. Uh, Another kind of um, a guy who I really think should be in this discussion is, is Maxwell Anderson at Weber State. He made waves uh, in multiple ways last year, but was one of the top
0: uh, interception guys in the in the conference, and uh, I think he even had a pick six or even two last year. So um, th- that's the part about Weber State. We talked about this on the Big Sky Breakdown podcast, Andrew and I did when we broke down all five of the new head coaches in the league and sort of the various challenges that they face. Weber faces the challenge of replacing the greatest coach in their school's history in Jay Hill but Jay Hill had been there for nine years and he recruited as well as anybody in the conference. And so you look at Weber's roster and they still have you know, argue, arguably the best corner in the league in Maxwell Anderson. They have arguably the, the best kick returner in the league in Abraham Williams. They still have great talent there at Weber. So um, certainly uh, it's going to be fascinating uh, to watch how all that plays out. The other uh, main impression I had when looking at this all-conference list... Forever, never, never, the Big Sky has been considered a league of quarterbacks and wide receivers. But that's actually sort of incrementally shifted over the last handful of years because, partially because of the the head coaching personas in the league. I mean, Dan Hawkins gets sort of pinned as an offensive guy, but Dan Hawkins wants to run the ball. Bobby Houck is certainly a defensive guy that wants to run the ball at Montana. Brett Vegan is is a great offensive uh, coach, but Montana State makes no bones about wanting to run the ball. Portland State, they want to run the ball. Uh, Idaho, they want to run the ball. So there's been sort of a reversion back to that. There are a few elite receivers in the, in the big sky, no question, led by Hayden Hatton, who I think is the, probably the best offensive player in the league. But you don't have that. For a long time, I remember when this ballot would come out, you'd have five or six or seven wide receivers that you would be debating for uh, – the three spots on the all-league team, and almost always you'd be settling upon two guys from Eastern Washington and then the best guy in the league other than the guys at Eastern Washington. Now, I think it's pretty cut and dry who the the all-league receivers are going to be in the league. I think it's Hayden Hatton, Jermaine Jackson, and and Efton Chisholm. The the sort of other side of the pendulum swinging on that note, though, is that the offensive line is all of a sudden really stacked. I, I do think that the Cats have four potential all-conference offensive linemen. I also think that the Grizz have several potential all-conference offensive linemen, highlighted by Hunter McGinnis. I think that Sac State has at least two, if not three, uh, potential all-conference offensive linemen. Weber has a couple, including a guy who I think is one of the best players in the league, and Jake Parks when he's healthy. And then Weber has three all-conference offensive caliber offensive linemen. Idaho has a couple. Easter Washington has one. So I I think the Lions actually have a chance to be better uh, as well. It's the uh, Montana Football Hour presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com to find out how Blackfoot can help you and your small business. Don't worry. We're going to keep hashing out all this Big Sky All-Conference stuff. But we're also going to talk some NFL, some college football, and a great opportunity for high school quarterbacks from around the state of Montana Morning Wags times two in studio next. Marty Mordewig, longtime NFL coach, and his son, Bobby Kidd. they got a camp coming up on Friday. We'll tell you all about it, plus we'll talk football at all levels. That's next. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio.